everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Welcome to another episode of We Are Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for July. It's past. We're past the six-month period. We're on the slippery slope down on the other side. And recently, we've just passed the 4th of July, which was America celebrating the day where they said goodbye to the English. And unfortunately, while we'd like to say goodbye to the English, they appear to have got through to the final of the Euros. Now, at this point in time... I do not know what the final result was between them and the Fair Italy, and no, there's nobody else, so I'm not going to comment on it in case um, I'm right or in case I'm wrong, so I'm just not going to say anything at all. I just want to be in the situation where I just want to maybe leave it to somebody else. I want to instead focus on a different world, and the kind of world where I want to be maybe not a bit passive, I want to be have a little bit of interaction. When I play something, I want to feel enveloped in the atmosphere. I want the media there to shout at me as I'm playing. I maybe just don't want to find the parts. Maybe I want to scan a bit and then play. So, I want somebody to be able to tell me a tale. I want somebody not only to be able to tell me a small tale, I want them to tell me a big tale. I almost want them to be a bit tale more. So, joining me from Delve Brothers, to talk about a scan-and-play dungeon-crawling-type game called Tailmore, I have got Zach Delventhal, who is, I've been told by himself, is the best of the three Delventhal brothers. Is that true, Zach? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome Um... to the show. (laughs) I mean, I was told you were going to keep that under wraps, um, uh, you, but uh, but sure, we'll make it official. I've the got, best I've got, I've got Twitter screenshots from our um, our our DM conversation, which <laughs> see, I, I deleted. <laughs> which those. is it's like this is the Olympics. Hi, um, congratulations! You're in the Olympics. Um, you're just about to get the gold. Um, we're not talking about bringing in the, the bronze and the silver. Um, I felt it was quite a bit nasty about saying Will was the bronze. I don't know if you guys have had a falling out <laughs> or something. I wonder maybe is e- Eli the silver boy? But uh, you, <laughs> so we're going to see because you've just now put yourself under a lot of pressure because if this comes across quite badly, yeah. then there could be some kind of family feud. I mean, this could turn into kind of like a Judge Judy type situation where you end up in court and uh-huh. yeah. arguing over who should have done the podcast instead of your bad self. So there you go. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Who gets tus- custody of like the dragon? <laughs> okay. and the who, yeah. gets, who gets the app? Who gets the dungeon tiles? Uh-huh. 
who gets to own the art. Yep. And the name, I mean, they might make you even change your surname. I mean, it could be tough. Uh-huh. Um, anyway. Delve bro. <laughs> it could be just Delve. One of three. It could just be Delve brother minus one. I mean, that's how they uh-huh, could end yeah. up deciding to call the company. Um, I, I mean, that seems marketable. It seems I possible. I mean, people like a bit of controversy. I mean, there has been recent controversy in the yeah. entire kind of role-playing Dungeons and Dragons type world of late, which we're obviously not gonna we're not gonna talk about. But um, yeah, so maybe that that could be a good that could be a good angle. This is just so so bad. Mm-hmm. Are you well though, sir? Get get some clicks. <laughs> get some clicks. There's no such thing as bad mm-hmm. press. Are you well though? That's that's what they say. Am I well? I I yeah, I am well. You know, it's been uh, I think it's been a tough year mm-hmm. for all of us. Yeah. And I've been I've been cooped up in a in a tiny apartment with two kids mm. and the wife, all of whom I love dearly, particularly when I see a little bit less of them. Um but uh, but I think I've turned a corner. I don't know. In the U.S., things have improved a little bit. I'm still not getting out that much, to be honest. Yeah. But it it feels different. It feels different. A uh, little, little less cabin fever than maybe three months ago. Have they, where you are, um, have they kind of relaxed the restrictions? Because over, over here, we're still pretty much kind of, mm, we're going to keep the restrictions going. In fact, our minister, our first minister, who is in Scotland, the... COVID situation is governed by um, governed by our first minister. Um, they've said, like, we're going to keep masking and we're going to keep a little bit sensible until we actually know because of this new variant. Is things where you are, is it is it is it a bit more kind of easy peasy? Are people kind of saying, well, you can do what you want as long as you, you know? I guess is what I'm asking. I mean, I mean that's basically been true the whole time in America. Um, <laughs> You know, there have there have been some restrictions that have popped up. Um, and I'm in Minnesota, which, you know, we're, we're pretty careful up here. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I was always more careful than whatever restrictions were in place. Yeah. So I never noticed them that much. Um, I think they are all lifted now. Uh-huh. And personally, and the, and the infection rate is quite low in my area. Mm. So um, so I am I am relaxing, but I am still like wearing a mask, you know, at least if I'm not eating or whatever. Yeah. Just trying to be sensible, taking it slow. How old are your um how old are your kids? I mean, are they are they um are they high school? Are they younger much younger than that? Are they in kind of like what you would say oh, junior school? My, yeah. Yeah. Uh they are they are five and two and a half. So wow. uh kindergarten or going into kindergarten actually this year and uh and daycare. That's amazing because that this is because it's kind of strange because especially for the two and a half year old, and from a conscious mm. kind of learning point of view, going outside and wearing masks and staying away from people that's kind of all you consciously know. I mean, it's maybe slightly different for the for the five year old. They might kind of remember a time, but it must be so. It must be so weird to be brought up in a world to say you've got to kind of you've got to stay. You can't. You got to stay away from kind of people. Um, has it meant? Yeah. Has it also meant that you're kind of been away from your kind of your 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 kind of parents and parental units and in laws mm-hmm. and people like that as well? Is that kind of stopped? Is that being kind of nailed on the head as well? Yeah. Well, so for us, we moved uh, after college. 
um, to Minnesota. Mm. My, so my parents are on the East Coast. They're in Connecticut. Right. Um, and Laura's parents are as well, actually. All right. So, um, so we've, and that's actually, it turns out very difficult to raise a couple of small children in the city on your own. Um, but, uh, but we usually saw them twice a year. And so it did, I don't know, it made things weird because there was a point in last summer where we were just going so stir crazy that we couldn't stay in the apartment anymore. Yeah. So we were like, okay, we're going to drive across the country. Um, and we're, we like avoided public bathrooms and stuff. It was the weirdest road trip because at that point we had no idea how it was transmitted. Yeah. We were all terrified. Yeah. But um, but we're going to drive across the country. We're going to, they have like a little like extra cabin on their property. We will quarantine in there yeah. for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, and then all of us will stay together on the property. Wow. I think it ended up being like a month and a half, two months, Whoa. you know, since I was working remotely. Yeah. Um, we were able to do that. So that was really nice. And we don't usually do anything like that. Uh, but then we did miss Christmas. So like, it, you know, it's a, so it's been a mix of weird things this year. Yeah, it's like my um, we've just come back from Belfast because we were overseeing um, my wife's parents. I haven't seen them in about eighteen months, potentially almost like kind of longer mm. than that, which is kind of like a strange situation because again we kind of miss Christmas and everything like that. And it was just as you say, it was kind of like a weird, a weird, weird type. Um, in terms then of the, let's wind this clock back a bit because I brief, sure. briefly mentioned Eli and Will. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the, you know, you being the, the alpha brother here, but uh, joking aside, <laughs> um, the, the game's being developed by the, the three of you together. Okay. In yeah. terms of your, I mean, you've, you've mentioned kind of off kind of cast that there's, there's a there's a reasonable ish kind of age gap um, between you. So kind of growing so, so growing up, were you did mm-hmm. you all play? Did you all play together anyway, or was there kind of like a kind of a closer kind of playing together relationship between you and one of the other brothers, or how did that kind of happen? And 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 is that where you started kind of playing kind of board games together then as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, growing up. Um, we, we played a ton of board games. We started playing D and D pretty early as well. Uh-huh. Um, I mostly only played D and D with Eli, the one who's two years younger than me, yeah. but the whole family would play board games. Um, and it became, you know, a way to spend the time, I guess. And this was a while ago. So it was before, you know, the big board game scene that exists now really came up, mm. but we still managed to get some unusual ones and like they'd be in i remember there was one i can't i can't recall the name of it at all but it was actually included in some sort of DD magazine and there was a map you'd move around and just blew our minds so we started um we started building our own yeah, board games okay. uh pretty early they they were terrible but uh but, you know it, it was a very big part of our lives and in fact uh, Eli went into video game development oh, right. um, okay. as a career. So it was, it was, it's been something he's been doing for probably a decade now. Um, and that was actually the original plan was to build a video game, the three of us. But, uh, but we ended up, we ended up shifting after we played a few prototypes. I think you're not, to be honest, you're not the first 
person that I spoke to with regards to board board game development that had started off mm-hmm. going down the kind of the video game route, and then it was a case mm-hmm. of well, how do I think it's kind of like to prototype and to get proof of concept on a video game, you literally have to have the video game a lot more a lot a larger amount of the video game done for you to say first of all is mm-hmm. this is this is this any good is it any fun is it commercially kind of viable i think you know you have to have a lot more of the kind of the assets and everything like that whereas a board game you can literally have 62 pieces of white paper you know six dice a couple of yeah. counters and a, and you could say okay let's let's play this thing and and you can get to a point where you can have like a white copy of the game even without the art and it can be a completely mm-hmm. playable game where people can actually kind of contribute to the feedback and give you kind of um and, and kind of help you know help in the development so um i completely kind of understand um where you're coming from with that in terms of and i mean in terms of eli is eli the kind of the artistic one then is that what he's doing on video games or yeah, I'd say so. It's it's um, he talks a lot about you know his big thing is he just he just wants people to have fun, mm-hmm. and I am I am a little bit more technically minded than him. I love games uh-huh. as a thing, and I love I love systems, uh-huh. um, you know. So I'm definitely the one who gets into sort of strategic games and stuff like that. Anything you need a spreadsheet to play, right. I love. Okay, um, but Eli is more of a just like he just likes seeing that smile on people's face, you know. Yeah. So he's always. Um, coming up with like fun little hooks, stuff like that, and um, and it's why he pushed so much harder into video games than the uh, two of us did, at least up until this point. And uh, and yeah, so we all, you know, we're all a mix of technical and creative, but I think that's definitely a focus of his. Yeah. And what is it you do for a for a living then for a job? I'm a software developer right. and sometimes instructor as well. Yeah, so I've been. Uh, working in sort of web development, mm-hmm. open source, blockchains, uh, wow. stuff like that. That is the latest thing, isn't it? Everybody talks about blockchains, and I have no idea what a blockchain is. Even they do. People- I could, you know, I'm working on a course right now. You could take it. Um, are you are you actually but, ready? Uh, what is a blockchain? How do you spell the word blockchain? And then kind of go on from there. I just, do you know what people say to me? Well, it's kind of like to do with encryption, and it's kind of to do with block. It's uh-huh. kind of to do with um, with the next big thing. And people talk about kind of NFTs and mixing everything together, and they talk about crypto yeah. currency and stuff. And I'm just like, I'm still confused. As far as I'm aware. Blockchain is something that I am potentially leaving to one side until it hits me like a train, and there's no other way I can do <laughs> to avoid it. That is that is the smart thing to do, I think. You know, yeah, because I'm not I'm not into cryptocurrency or NFTs or anything like that, and it's a it's a weird space because it's so new that mostly the people who are in it are scam artists, for for lack of a better term. So it's it's a tough space to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the tech is really interesting and the tech has potential. And, and so that's, that's the angle that I approach it from. Yeah. And, um, and I sort of fell into it. It was an early job I had was working on an open source blockchain project. Wow. There aren't that many people out there working on it. So it just sort of one thing led to another. I think it's kind of like, it's the old kind of fool's gold thing where people are kind of rolling out the trying to roll out the next big thing so that they can make 
a couple of million dollars and then disappear off into the sunset. Yeah. And it's like most things, there's kind of real application for these things, but people haven't thought about, well, there are a few people that are thinking about the applications for it. As I say, as I say, when I've looked at it, I I, kind of come up, (laughs) like what you've said, I kind of come up against these things where you've got these sensible things saying, well, you know, uh, the use of blockchain is like is an unbelievable way that we're going to be able to control the flow of information with regards to logistics and stuff like that. And then I've got another person talking mm-hmm. about blockchain, which says sign another five people up and I can make you a hundred thousand dollars. And you're just like going, right? Oh, okay. And it's in the same page, and it's just the one section and and LinkedIn, and then it's on the next section in LinkedIn. It's like I don't know, I don't know who to believe. You know, basically. Well, I think anytime, anytime you've got, uh, you know, a lack of knowledge mm. out there in the public, that's an opportunity to take advantage of people. I think is ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of Tailmore, is this your first game together? And what I mean by that is, is there another five or six games sitting in kind of A four? folders or or folders on desktop folders kind of waiting to go out there or um is this the first one you've kind of completely kind of collaborated on yeah i mean you could it's definitely the first project the three of us have worked on uh to this scale Mm -hmm. um we you know we've worked on game jams and stuff like that throughout our lives and collaborated on little things here or there Mm. Um, had an ill-fated uh, Let's Play YouTube channel for a little while, but um, you don't get it. No, you, know, you don't get it. No, no, Zach, gotta stop you there. You don't well, no. get to all right, all right. say you've done a Let's Play YouTube channel and not mention its name. Is it gone? Have you can't? Is it disappeared? It's. I uh, know you can still find it out there, um, and it is. I mean, it's fine. It had potential, it? but you know, it's like anything content creation. It's a lot of work to get oh, tell me about get it. that up and running. Um, and our sound wasn't great, but uh, it was called Bad Enough Dudes. Oh, okay. And uh, and it was basically, you know, at the time we were playing a lot of video games just to stay in touch. Yeah. And uh, and so we were like, we should just record this. Like people people are doing this and. And then maybe we'll build an audience. Maybe it can become our job at some point. Um, but I, we kept at it for, I want to say six months, maybe a year mm. of um, weekly, probably videos. Um, so we were, we were pretty dedicated to it for a little while, but you know, we were just starting out. There was a lot we didn't know. And it's just a, just a tough thing to do in general but we had fun together with it it's really difficult i i kind of i think um it's such it's such a difficult it's such a difficult space because i mean we've done youtube and we'll continue to do youtube kind of now and again but i have gone down the line of saying right i'm going to just kind of do some do some videos and it's really, really difficult to, you're kind of trying to nail jelly to a wall. And some people just, they do very, yeah. very well. And they just, you know, they produce content and then people just go, yeah, this is the content for me. And it kind of takes off. And then you're like, and then other people produce content and you just see it kind of never, ever kind of really going anywhere. And yeah, some of it's really good. And so, yeah. And, 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 and the amount of work that it takes to actually put videos together. Um, oh, yeah, it's it's not. Look, we'll record this, 
and I will go through it and it will take a couple of hours to go through and I'll make sure that I sound fantastic and, you know, obviously you sound less so fantastic because I am <laughs> slightly egotistical. Insert some extra ums I'll, and ums. I'll, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's good. If you could just say um and ah uh again, then I can just pepper that. All the way, all the way through the recording, and give you some extra long, uh-huh. extra long pauses, you know, and, uh-huh. and and have you say something like, "Yes, I am one of those blockchain scam artists," and you know, just things like that, yeah, just yeah. to kind of like, you know, just to kind of do that. But you know, at the end of the day, I could probably, once we've chatted, I could probably get this out there and and ready within a couple of hours at the maximum. Making videos is just like, it's like you set everything up and you think everything's going to work and then you play it back and it's like garbage. <laughs> You're just like, I've got to do this yeah. all again. And then, or you'll put it out there and you go, you know what? The lighting was perfect. The sound was perfect. I think this worked really well. I think we said some really entertaining things and then it'll like flatline, <laughs> you know, it'll beep, yeah. and you'll just be like, oh my goodness. So yeah. I, I totally see where you're coming from. Content creation is a very, very difficult thing. And uh, I think um, it's kind of been made out that content creation is some kind of easy thing that anybody can do. And I think, yes, you can, anyone can yeah. do it, but it's it's incredibly, it can be incredibly tough and it can be a little bit, it, when it's wonderful, it's wonderful. And when it's not, it's very, very kind of, kind of difficult. To, well, it, t- it takes a lot of work to make it look as easy. Yeah as uh as a lot of people do make it look yeah yeah you know and usually if they're if they're a big channel or something they've got a team right um of people who know this stuff and and what is it that just uh went around social media recently that like all the all the big influencers when they're taking selfies with their uh cameras like it's shot in a mirror or something totally not shot in a mirror totally shot with like a professional dslr (laughs) and they just hold their camera in front of them to make it look casual yeah yeah i was like of course of of course course if that's your living yes that's it and of course you know if you're gonna make like you know if you get if you literally have get you know two million two million interactions off that and that's going to guarantee you a wage then of course you're going to do it i mean that's how you're going to take it but no i guess what i'm doing is i completely empathize when you say doing youtube for six months and then just going you know yeah i i kind of totally i kind of kind of totally get that so from that and with you guys being in you know being in the software background and um and you, you know, doing what you were going to do together. What then made you decide to go into kind of like the board game side of things? I mean, what, did you just transfer what you'd done in the video game onto a board game kind of format? Basically, I mean, it's a, it's definitely a game that lends itself because it is it is half a video game mm-hmm. the way we've built it. Right. Um, you know, so we have the board game. Um, which we've put a lot of effort into. We've hired great artists. Um, we are in love with the pieces, and it's the, you know, the physical feel of a board game mm-hmm. is one of the most important things to us yeah. as players. But at the same time, you know, the game works hand in hand with this app. It isn't a, it isn't an add on. The app is what is sort of driving the whole thing forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's. Uh, so it is a a lot of our technical skills transferred very directly, um, and then you know there were differences too. But but yeah, with the, the whole thing started 
um, when we had a prototyping phase, you know, our goal wasn't like, you know what, we're, I'm tired of video games. Let's make a board game. Yeah. We, we had a bunch of ideas. I think we have a list of, it must be 50 ideas um, at this point. And we sort of rated them all, decided what we were really excited about, and then had a period of building prototypes. Mm -hmm. And so we would do um, two-week prototypes of, I think, five or six games is what we ended up doing. And and then we'd, like, put them out in front of our community and have people play them. And we play them. And we at in the end, we were deciding between uh animal crossing meets harry potter and wow. uh and tailmore and we just we just loved the prototype of tailmore we loved uh the interaction we loved the physical feel of it even though at the time we were just using like little print and play things with sort of stock art um so that's that's the direction we went i think sometimes an idea just sings to you regardless of how yeah. well presented the other one is it's like you, you'll have an idea and you go yeah this this looks great and plays great but there's something about this kind of thing and i don't know if it's a passion thing if you look at something and you say mm. yeah this is this is all wonderful but i actually have i feel a little bit of a more of an emotional connection with this project and i think that can have such a huge connection with stuff you know um you mentioned you're you mentioned you've done a bit of acting. So you know you'll know hmm. what I'm talking about. I've done a little bit of acting as well, like damn fool most of the time. But you'll understand mm -hmm. that, you know, the best performances you always do, you always feel you have a little bit of more of an emotional connection with the thing that you're portraying. Absolutely. As opposed to just going out and you can be going through the motions and putting on the best accent, doing the best mannerisms, hitting your kind of your cues on point, but you walk away feeling kind of like, yeah, there was something just missing from that. And on our side, you could have something where you're kind of like, you you feel kind of, I kind of get where we are with what I'm meant to be doing with this character. And it just comes across as kind of like a better performance because you've got that kind of emotional connection kind mm -hmm. of there. Um <clears throat> And so I get that for like something like, like kind of Tailmore. Um, do you want to explain a little bit about the main mechanics behind it? Because I, I'm, I obviously my absolutely horrific intro. I mentioned it's like the scan and play. Now, one of the things people yeah. are going to talk about is like, well, there's you know, there's a there's recently been a another game out there um, that uses the kind of the scanning yes. type mechanic, you know, and we're going to say. We're not going to mention that little lucky ducky. Um, going to move on. <laughs> but do you want to explain a little bit about how kind of Tailmore kind of works as kind of like a, as a game and, and how you play and how maybe a round would play as well, just to, to give us an idea, Zach? Yeah, absolutely. So it is um, it is a scan and play game. So every piece has a QR code on it. Um, and they also, by the way, I know people have had mixed experiences with QR code scanning. Um, I think ours works very well. Ours works better than any other game I've played with QR codes, but they also all have just a two-letter code you can manually enter, um, which is fast and smooth. So if the lighting's bad in your room or whatever, mm -hmm. you can just use that. 
Um, but the point is every single piece has a connection to the digital world, right? Um, that, that QR code or that two letter code, whichever you're using is the, the bridge between the physical pieces you're holding in your hand mm -hmm. and the digital aspects of the game. So basically you'll start the game by uh, opening up the app and picking a scenario and bringing your friends into the app. They can all join with their own phones. Uh, they don't even have to be in the same room. It works over the internet. Wow. Um, or you can do you can do multiple players hot seat too if you do just want to use one device. Mm -hmm. But uh, you all select your classes and we've got your classic uh, RPG classes, the um, barbarian, the wizard, dwarf, elf. Um, so you pick a class, you have a little combat deck and you start the scenario. And I mean, that's basically it. That's all the setup. It's very, very fast because the scenario is going to walk you through from there. It's going to say, okay, you find yourself in this room and it'll give you the two letter code and you go find it in your box and you put it out. And there's such and such character in the room. There's these items in the room. And, uh, and the story is, you know, you have to, there's a kid that's been kidnapped and you have to rescue them or, you know, you're stuck in prison and you have to break out or whatever it is. And, We've got some great writing. Frank, we've hired some writers. We also are okay writers ourselves. Um, so we have, we're gonna have eight different scenarios at launch, maybe more depending on stretch goals. And our plan is just to keep writing them as long as people are interested in them, um, which is you know something you can do digitally. You can just deliver more content yeah. uh, whenever you want without having to ship anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, from there, it just sort of, it's tough. I've had a lot of feedback, like, but what's the game? How do you win? Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, you, you just play it. You like you win when the scenario is over it, you know, in the, uh, kidnapping example, uh, you know, you win when you rescue the kid. Right. Um, but that's not true for a, the prison escape scenario that you win when you escape from the prison. Um, so you sort of, you explore the map. Um, you're going to lay down new tiles as you explore them. Yeah. Uh, you might have some puzzles or challenges, you know, pick a lock, there's a riddle or something like that. Um, and then there's combat too. If you run into a hostile enemy, we have a sort of light deck building experience um, that you play through with combat. So it's a, it's a holistic, the idea is to sort of bring that text adventure, that old school text adventure, that old school computer RPG experience yeah. and make it physical, make it make it something you can touch. Have people got the ability to also have the materials in a physical format? Because one of the one of the um the only kind of kind of criticisms I hear of app driven mm -hmm. kind of games is it, this is all going to be very good until the app is no longer supported. What do we do once the app yeah. is kind of no longer supported? So in terms of that, is there options for people to play a kind of a, as time goes on for them to gather the, the kind With of... With like things? a storybook. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally get that concern um and we have heard it from folks and we've put a lot of thoughts into what we can do about that because the reality is um a storybook or, or something like that isn't going to do it because we are you know we're doing things you just can't do in a storybook mm. a simple example um you know in the prison escape uh scenario you know there's like this prison complex and there's a guard who's patrolling 
and they're just walking on a set path um, and you have to avoid them. You yeah. know, in the beginning, you don't have your weapons. So if you get caught in a fight, you're just dead. Mm. Um, so it's this sort of cat and mouse thing um, where the guard has like an actual location that the app is keeping track of and the guard is moving around and you have to move in such a way as to avoid them. And there's really no way to replicate something like that in a storybook. But, you know, we care about this and I am, you know, we're software developers. We know how quickly stuff goes obsolete and the costs that go into updating something. So we came up with this. We have a, a long-term support plan for Tailmore. Um, and basically it boils down to this. Um, within, uh, I f actually forget the time period we put on it. I think it was three years. Um, within three years of releasing the app, um, or at such point as if we stop supporting it sooner than that, for some reason, we're going to release a web version of it, mm -hmm. um, which is based on web standards, you know, so like I, the space jam website, I, this is very familiar among web, web oh, developers. No, I don't know no, if your I, listeners I are heard, familiar yeah, with it. Everybody I think has heard of the, yeah, the yeah. I think it's the space jam website was, it almost turned into one of the world's first kind of memes. You know, which is, it mm -hmm. was kind of like, this is, it was an example of the world, the worst kind of practices with regards to kind of like web design. <laughs> it was absolutely. Yeah. Well, no, so it is, it's a, it's a, uh, a hideous site, but it still works. Yeah. It was made in 1996. Yeah. Um, and, you know, without anyone updating any of the code, it still works over 20 years later, right? And because that's how the web is designed. Yeah. The web is designed to always be backwards compatible. Mm -hmm. So um, so web version's coming out, uh, you know, within a few years. And, um, and we're also going to open source the code for that web version. Yeah. Um, so if it does need to get updated, other people can update it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it might not work over the internet. Maybe we can't afford to maintain servers forever. You know, we might not be able to do that. But we can guarantee that there is always a version out there that you can at least play locally, will at least support all the scenarios uh -huh. um, that exist. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm an open source dev, so I, I, I sort of love open source. There's, there's questions around the business issues around that. But if we've reached a point where, you know, we're no longer around, then there's nothing I'd like better than to sort of give it out to the wider internet and let people remix it continue to support it, whatever it needs. You play video games, I play video games. I mean, I can't, you know, I can go and watch Casablanca, the film, whenever I want yeah. to. I can just go and find that movie. I could probably find it on Blu-ray, I could find it on DVD, I could find it on Laserdisc. However, I would not be able to go and play right now Banjo-Kazooie, the N64 version. Yeah. Unless I was breaking the law. So I guess, I mean, this is a bigger question about, you know, people are asking questions about kind of like streaming services and things going to like a subscription model. And where's the ability for people to actually have access to something on an ongoing basis? So, um, you know, the question about whether it's, you know, your product is going to be available in a couple of years, that's part of a huge, massive behemoth of a questions about is like when Disney Plus decide that they no longer want people to watch Star Wars movies you know they could just 
stop people from watching Star Wars movies because people won't have it. Just you know, turn it yeah, off. Exactly. Just stop people from, you know, it's like Netflix does that all the time. You know, it's like Spotify could absolutely just remove everything to do with the Beatles. You know, it's like and nobody would be able to have yeah. access unless they had the original violence. So it's like a strange, a strange kind of question. Um with with this being kind of like a hybrid, what's it been like mm-hmm. in terms of the marketing? side of things and 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 has and because there's three of you has it been like a triple effort have you found it easier to try and get the the uh the marketing done because you are essentially like a small team i mean most of the people that i know that work on Mm -hmm. kickstarters unless they're part of a reasonable obviously established organization if you're kickstarting for the the first time you're usually doing it by yourself so how have you found the kind of the marketing of the game especially kind of like the pitching side of things because it is not like what you would say a traditional kind of luddite you know board game basically it's tough it's been tough to market you know we come up with shorthands like scan and play but you know only some people know what that term means Mm -hmm. and and what it means for our game is different than what it means for some other games too um it's something you really have to play so that is something we've had front and center for months now um you know the development process has been really transparent we have a demo web version um of the game out right now you know you can play it print and play you can play it on tabletop simulator Mm -hmm. um and try it out and get a feel for it um because we really think it doesn't click until you've played it um but it can be hard even if it's totally free even if it's tabletop simulator or tabletopia so you don't have to print anything out there's still that the barrier to entry of you know 15 20 minutes of somebody's time uh so getting it out there we we've done a lot of gifs gifs are great show the thing in motion um and come i mean i've been through so many versions of of like the pitch um and i i am dissatisfied with all of them (laughs) but but i try i try i your listeners can tell me how well i explained it this time i think it was kind of a mess but uh but yeah, it has been it has been good to split up duties a little bit across the team. Um, you know, Willem has done a lot of uh, like entrepreneurial business stuff. He started a couple of little companies. Yeah. Um, did it did a game for cats thing that uh, got pretty big. Um, and Eli's got the video game background, and I've got more of the technical background. So we've sort of all found our niches in the company, and but it's also just sort of a all hands on deck thing. So we we all have our hands in a little bit of everything. What was it like trying to get kind of like then kind of previews done? You know, actual mm-hmm. kind of named individuals to kind of have a look at the game and produce kind of like content on the game to explain it. Because I'm I'm very very I'm very very conscious on Kickstarter that some I know of people who are like, well, if this person hasn't looked at the game, I'm not. I don't know if I'm that interested kind of mm. thing. Or they'll look for like mm-hmm. three or four people that have looked at something and went, right, okay, well, that, that you know, if they're willing to have a look at it, I'm going to listen to what they say because our views on things kind of align. So, and and obviously, over all of this, Zach, we've got the pandemic in place, which means you just cannot go and rock yeah. up at somebody's, you know, like any of these conventions that haven't been happening or game nights or anything like that in order to be able to demo that. So... How have you, is that, is that again, kind of that has been another one's like, yep, this is the perfect year to try and get a game. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, we're sort of hoping that uh, that we've timed it up just right, that things are starting to subside yeah. and, um, and everyone's looking at board games to pick up on Kickstarter. But it has been a tough year to develop a board game in. Mm. Um, and, you know, uh, Tabletop Simulator has helped. Tabletopia has helped. Um, there have been a bunch of remote conventions, which is in some ways convenient because I don't have to get on a plane and fly somewhere. I can attend usually more or less for free or pretty close to it and um, and get some people to play. So, you know, we've been doing a lot of that, at least in the first half of this year, especially um, just trying to get it out in front of people. But the attendance isn't amazing at those. And it's tough, you know, when when the whole convention is in a discord chat, it's really you know, if you're in person, you can just like put on the shirt and like wave at people and say, come play my game. Yeah. But when you're in Discord chat, it's sort of awkward. You're like, uh, here's some game art. You want to check it out? You know? No, a lack of, inter- a lack of direct you, interaction. But- I mean, even on something like, you know, I've played games on table. I've played games on table, uh, tabletop simulator and I've played a few kind of demo versions um, uh, over the last couple of months because you know, just like you, businesses were trying to get the word in. They says, "Well, if you come on Tabletop Simulator, we can we can have a go." But there was nothing worse than kind of like the two or three points of awkward silence where nobody said anything. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's just like it's know, not the same. It's just it's not it's not the same. It's I don't know. It's like kind of maybe doing kind of like you know, well, you know this. It'd be like acting without an audience, if you know what I mean. And you're just like going, yeah. I don't know if this is any good. Alas, poor Yorick. Well, I'll tell you, my wife actually, she's she's an acting teacher wow. uh, for like kids yeah. and stuff at a, a children's theater company, a local, local, it's actually a pretty big theater, but it's in Minnesota. Mm. Um, but uh, so the pandemic hits and yeah, all their classes switched to remote. And so... I think she actually did a great job because she switched to more monologues and more like, okay, like make TikTok videos, right? Do stuff that makes sense on your own in front of a a video camera and you can still, you know, flex those muscles. But there were other teachers that were trying to do, you know, scene work and stuff like that. And it's just, that is all about looking another person in the eyes and having that immediate you know, reaction to them. And, and it's just very tough to replicate over zoom, especially with like new actors who are kids and, yeah. and haven't done yeah. that much in person already. I know that over here in this country, the, the BBC, um, they did a couple of TV series where they actually had the actors speaking to each other over zoom. And they says, well, what we'll do is we'll just have it so that these are actors kind of having a chat over zoom there's no way mm-hmm. to frame it you can't have a dramatic thing and there's also like you know over in the states you'll have your kind of your stable what soap operas you know but over mm-hmm. here they basically all of a sudden these stable kind of soap operas like you know like well over i think you've got days of your lives and stuff days of our lives and stuff like that over yeah. there. i don't even you know sunset but sunset beach i think was another one that was years old but very cheesy but very funny but over here they basically had to work around the kind of the pandemic so they basically had the actors kind of having very deep and meaningful conversations but being kind of like at least three meters apart <laughs> so it's kind of like it's kind of like it's like what's wrong you've got that look in your eye <laughs> It's like, Murray, I can't even see your eyes. What are you talking about? 
you know, it's that kind of that that kind of situation. You could tell they actually said they had to film. They had to put a glass pane between actors uh, and kind of reduce uh-huh. the, reduce the lighting so it didn't look like there was any kind of reflection. So you kind of had that had that thing as well. Yeah, I've I've got um, a friend of mine who is a le- who um, they're a lecturer. Um, um, th- um, mm-hmm. theatre place and yeah they were saying it's you know trying to get it over but then it's like well it kind of works for TV work because if you've got people kind of working on their kind of close up television expressions then that's fantastic but it's kind of rubbish for theatre <laughs> acting when you're kind of like yeah. doing big deeming uh, booming voices and kind of breaking the breaking the kind of the kind of the microphone um, in terms of money because it always comes down to money yeah, it does. Let's talk pledge levels and let's talk how much is it going to cost? What am I going to get? Give me details. All right. Well, uh, we $60, I mean, is the headline number. That's the uh, MSRP for the game. And we worked hard to, to keep it below that. I think that's, you know, there's there's your gloom havens and, and whatever that have these huge boxes. Yeah. And I think we do have a lot of pieces in there, but we wanted, this is not, this is not a gloom haven experience and we're not trying to be, this is, this is 60 to 90 minutes. This is sitting down with your friends who may not be role players who may not be big board gamers um, and, uh, and having fun. Right. And so I think you really got to stay under the $60 level for that. So, that's that's the that's the basic level that gets you in the door. Then at um, eighty dollars, we've got our our Kickstarter exclusive edition, which is going to come with some extra scenarios, a booster pack for uh, for your combat cards, wow. as well as a map we're working on, which I'm actually. It's a silly thing, but I, I am kind of really excited about the map. So we're, we're going for like a, Tailmore is the name of the continent yeah. in this world. Right. And so we're going for like an old school fantasy map vibe. Yeah. And all of the locations of interest are going to have QR codes. Um, so it's a, it's a scan and discover uh, fantasy map where you can, uh, you know, boop it with your phone, get some extra information about different locations on the continent and, and stuff like that. Um, which is actually, it's a feature in the game too, which we're pretty proud of is just there any sort of major thing that gets mentioned in the game. Um, you know, the tutorial mission is all about the shattered band, which is this mercenary guild. Mm -hmm. There's a little like Wikipedia style link, um, on that. So we have, uh, this is a, this is actually a setting. My brother, Eli, he role plays a ton. He's been working on this setting for five six years something like that okay so we have just a ton of lore um that it's it's in the background you know the scenarios aren't about uh the a larger meta plot or something like with some other games but it's it's really nice to have that level of uh of background there and and to let players explore it just like just like they're going wikipedia diving or something so you can jump around to all these different entries uh, entries to find out more about the world, uh, if you so desire. If your friend's taking a long time on their turn, right? There's uh, there's something to read. <laughs> I'm gonna make myself a coffee and I'm gonna read up. <laughs> I'm gonna read up about this mountain yeah. while you're deciding if you're gonna move two steps to the left or two steps to the right. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
exactly. And it is, so I think a, a danger with digital games, right, is that uh, everyone ends up in their phones, which I think kind of the point of board games is to get people away from that. Um, so I think, you know, to be clear, it is, it is a co-op game. You are going to be collaborating about uh, decisions. Mm. We have found it to be actually more engaging than a lot of other board games um, because you are just, you're constantly, you're all reading passages out loud to each other. You're talking about what to do next, how to solve this riddle or that riddle. Um, so in our experience, in our play tests, it's actually been a really engaged thing, but you know, you never know when you need a little bit of extra reading. I was, I was going to bring, I was, I warned you, I was going to bring up this question. You have a dwarf. Um, you have a dwarf. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, she appears to have a beard. She has she bright does, auburn yeah. hair. Glorious beard. She's bright, as all dwarfs should. She has a glorious beard. Mm. What kind of accent has she got, Zach? What accent, Zach? Uh, well, I, I, it's maybe awkward to say it in front of you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I... Is it? Um, it is. So <laughs> it's, a Scottish, we... it's a Scottish accent, isn't it? It is, yeah. It is. I mean, in my head. So that's the I thing: is none of these characters, Always none of these items have names. None of them. Always it's all. It's all. You're supposed. To, it is. It is. But we gave her. We gave her a beard, and we thought that was fun. So we're like, not enough. Not enough dwarven women have beards. You know, they're supposed to have beards. Let's give her a beard. But it, our our goal with all the design really was to. Um, do something familiar, but also a little bit different. You know, we wanted it to be uh, a little fun, a little unexpected. Like you actually get to see a dwarf woman with a beard, which you don't see that often. Oh. Um, and uh, as an example, right, there's all sorts of little details like that. But at the same time, we wanted it to feel like the stuff we grew up with, the sort of pulpy 80s, like sword and sorcery kind of stuff. So... So yeah, the dwarf is a redhead, and in my brain, at least, talks with a Scottish accent. But that's not canon. It's it, everyone's interpretation is valid. Just keep digging. She can talk with a, with a deep, can you do, with okay. a deep like Southern accent okay, or something. Okay. What is the equivalent if you're in the UK? Actually, well, I know that they would all do Scottish accent. <laughs> can you do? Is, is there a different kind of accent that dwarf has? No, you know, it's like we're proud. I mean, there's not any part of us that isn't going. You know, you know, I'm gonna go around in mine now. That's what I'm gonna be doing. I'm gonna be using my axe. You know, every dwarf has a Scottish accent. Everybody knows that. Can you do yeah. a Scottish accent? No, that's the question, Zach. Oh boy! Oh, uh, oh yeah. I, for whatever reason, <laughs> I, I'm. I, I. It has to be clear. Like I did get a degree in acting. It has, but it has been years right. since I've attempted any accent of any kind. And I doubt they were ever very good. And nobody paid me to act, to be clear. Right. I did it for free, and people sometimes regretted it. But, um, all right. Uh, it's not Mel. We're not looking at Mel Gibson no. Scottish either, okay? And we're not, you know. Go on. I, a bit, ach, a bit of a Scottish accent. Uh, you might talk like this. I can do a better Irish one. I can do, but the Scottish one, for whatever reason, always threw me. Even when I was in school, like I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get it done. Uh, I don't know. I'm, 
I'm a dwarf. I got a beard. I'm mostly just talking a bit low right now. There's honestly not much I'm doing. That's so, that's so crushing. I'm saying, ah. Disappointed by the fact that, you know, you're bringing in this dwarf and yet you can't, you know, you can't do yourself a little so bit. Sorry. Of it's just absolutely. I just, truly apologize. I, there's no, you don't, you don't have to apologize to me. You just have to apologize to every single Scottish person you ever meet for the rest of your life. Um, the kicks. I would like to, on the record, right now, apologize to all of Scotland for that accent that I, I just subjected you to, as well as yeah. the accent that the dwarf has in my head, which right. is stereotypical and wrong. Yeah. See, the thing is, right, is that every time we release a show, we do you we use something called um, headline, and headline takes uh -huh. a snippet of the show. And what it does is it takes a snippet of the show and it does auto captions on the show. And because I've got a Scottish accent, it never, ever does the subtitles properly. It's become a joke. So what I'm going to do for this particular episode is I'm going to take a snippet of what you just said and I will put it into headline <laughs> and see if it actually understands you. And if it does understand you because it picks up the American lilt in your accent, we will know that headliner mm -hmm. is racist. And that's all I'm going to I see. Um, <clears throat> basically, when's when's the when's the campaign kick off, Zach? When can we find it? So we are kicking off. Yeah, July thirteenth, Tuesday, July thirteenth. Um, it'll be in the morning our time, so probably in the afternoon your time. Yeah. It should go live. Um, and and yeah, it'll be you know pretty standard campaign. We'll run for a month. We'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. Awesome. What we'll do is obviously we will make sure that we put all the links to all the information into our show notes so that we have got some notes to show. If people are interested in finding out more about you and obviously about the wonderful Eli and the fantastic, the fantastic Will, where can they find you on the internet webs, Zach? Uh, well, we have creeped into every corner of the internet. There is, if you search for Tailmore, you'll find an Instagram, a Twitter, a website. But uh, but if you're looking for the game, probably the best thing is Tailmore.com, uh, which if you don't know how to spell it, we bought all of the misspellings of that as well. So you should be fine. It should just redirect you. <laughs> you just try spelling any way you would. That's a, that's a guarantee. That's a guarantee yeah. from Zach here. He's saying that you can... You can um, you can say it, spell it how you want. You're definitely going to find you're definitely going to find this product and his website and everything like that. That's you've got that on recording. He said that he probably didn't mean to say it, but hey, there's no way I'm editing this out. I'm just telling you now. I should I should actually clarify the one the like most obvious spelling. Yeah. Like the word tail followed by the word more, M-O-R-E, yeah. was super expensive and somebody already had it. So we don't have that <laughs> one. But every other spelling you can think of um, will redirect the proper spelling, which is T-A-E-L-M-O-O-R. There we go. Tailmore. Tailmore.com. Dot, dot, dot com. There you go. Um, and as I say, we'll, we'll make sure that we put all those links in the show notes so that if, including the Kickstarter link, because we will, Zach will send us the Kickstarter link, of course. Um, I will. You will. 
And if you want to keep an eye on what we are up to, then go to Google's and search for We Are Not Wizards and you shall find us in all, you shall find us where the wild things are. Because I watched that film again recently and it's it reduces me to tears every time because it's such a beautiful film. Um, you'll find us on Facebook and you'll find us on Twitter and you'll find us on Instagram and you will find us on our blog, which is we'renotwizards.co.uk and all of the other podcast episodes, which is we'renotwizards.com. If you like not only listening to us and reading us, but you'd like to actually wear us, then go and check out sirmeeple.com who have wonderful attire that you can purchase with various different phrases that we use, including kind of our little kind of uh, make something awful and uh, we're many things, but we're not wizards. Just anything. Go and check it out. They, they do some fantastic designs and they would love it if you bought some cloth for your back. If you like what you've listened today and you want to show us some support, then tell somebody, so tell somebody else. That'd be lovely. And if you like us even more than that, then go to the Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or a review. And as we say, if you are going to be leaving us a rating or a review, don't leave us 10 stars because that just makes me big-headed and they need to be stopped. But don't leave us zero stars because that will make us cry. Leave us something in the middle, like a five, because it's average. And, you know, we're just that little bit average. But the person who's not being average is rather wonderful, rather fantastic, Zach Delventhal. Thank you for coming on the show, Zach. Thank you, Richard. It was a blast. Um, there's only two more things to do. The first thing uh-huh. is to remember that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Zach? We are not. We're Scottish dwarfs with bad accents. And the second thing is to say goodbye. <laughs> so it's a goodbye from Zach. Say goodbye, Zach. Goodbye, everyone. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, make something awful. And if you fancy getting involved in an adventure where you're kind of living in the physical and the digital, you're scanning and you're playing and you're laughing and you're accenting and you're finding out about lore, you want a little bit more, get yourself some tail more. Until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. Is he early? He arrives precisely when he means to.